This is the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast, Episode 7, BrickCon Beyond Borders, A Virtual Lego Spectacular. The secret title of today's episode is Living Vicariously and Virtually at BrickCon 2023. In this episode, I talk about attending this year's BrickCon via an internet connection from the comfort of my own home. The Disclaimer Lego is a trademark of the Lego Group of Companies, which does not sponsor, authorize, or endorse this podcast. Are you ready to listen to the world's number one Lego podcast, recorded in my apartment? Podcasting is awesome, especially when it's about the Lego fan scene. Welcome to the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast. My name is Mike Sneathan. I'm your host. Let's get right into it. This past weekend was the Pacific Northwest's annual BrickCon, this time in its new home at the Maidenbauer Center in Bellevue, Washington. As someone who cannot afford the gas, hotel room, and other expenses incurred on the traditional trip to BrickCon, I spent $25 to buy myself a virtual membership and enjoyed the convention from my own computer chair right here at home. I also gave a virtual presentation on Sunday morning entitled Creating the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast. Back in 2020, Faced with the possibility of simply not having a BrickCon due to the pandemic, the convention organizers decided to do what a lot of other conventions had done and go virtual. I attended that convention. I had a lot of fun at that. Again, from the comfort of my own computer chair. And since then, BrickCon has been a hybrid convention. It exists in real life for people to travel to and attend, but it also exists virtually for people to participate in online. Usually, the first day of BrickCon means getting up at the crack of dawn. Then once my friend Kyle arrives, getting my mocks, suitcase, and wheelchair all loaded into the back of his Prius. And then, the four-hour-long drive up to the convention. But this past Thursday, with me being a virtual attendee, I slept in until after ten. The mocks that I was displaying virtually had all been uploaded to the appropriate albums on Flickr already. I was showing the Frankensteinian Abomination Support Group mock, which I'd displayed earlier in the year at Bricks Cascade, along with a bunch of my Lego haiku. And since Thursday is largely an in-person day, with the emphasis being on getting your mocks set up in the exhibition hall, there's really nothing going on for the virtual attendees. So instead of spending Thursday doing fun Lego stuff... I went to two doctor appointments. Fun. My alarm went off at 8 a.m. on Friday morning to ensure that I was both awake and out of the chair by the time the first presentation started at 9. That presentation was BrickCon 101. The virtual version of this was mainly a set of instructions on how to operate virtual BrickCon attending presentations through Zoom, participating in games through Zoom, 
communicating with other AFOLs, both through Zoom and on the Discord. There was a version of BritCon 101 for the in-person attendees that was different from ours. What went on there? I have no way of knowing. Was it secret in-person stuff that the virtual audience was denied? Possibly, but probably not. After BritCon 101 was the opening ceremony. The opening ceremony was largely the convention welcoming us to the new venue and the distribution of prizes. At the end of the convention, it would be revealed that for this year's BritCon, roughly 10% of the attendees were virtual. So their pattern of prize distribution, a drawing for one prize for a virtual attendee, followed by drawings for 10 prizes for in-person attendees, seemed just about right. I sat through the opening ceremony waiting for my name to be called as a virtual prize winner. That did not happen. Following the opening ceremony, there was an opportunity for the virtual attendees who had purchased the required set to participate in a game, this game being the Sock Build. If you're thinking to yourself, they're not asking you to build a Lego set with socks on your hands, are they? Uh, yeah, yeah, they were. I did not have the required set, and I barely have the skill to assemble a set without socks on my hands, so I opted not to participate in this. At one o'clock, after the lunch break, I attended a presentation called L-Draw, Taking the Next Step Beyond Studio. The presenter was a man named Orion Poberski. My goal in attending this presentation was to learn a little bit more about Studio, something I've been putting off doing for far too long. Studio is a computer program available on BrickLink that allows you to build mocks virtually, which kind of seems appropriate for me, an attendee of the virtual version of the con. Unfortunately for me, the presentation was more about the Eldraw parts library that services Studio and a number of other virtual LEGO environments than it was about virtual brick building in general. The next presentation, at 2 o'clock, was called The Name Game, and its presenter was Tom Alphen. Tom Alphen has always been one of my favorite presenters at LEGO conventions, and I always make it a point of witnessing whatever it is he's doing. This time around, his presentation was interactive. Before he began, he asked everybody, both the virtual people sitting at home on their computers and the in-person attendees with their smartphones, to go to the site menti.com and to enter in the number he was displaying on the screen. Then, as he advanced his slides throughout the presentation, there were multiple-choice options on screen for us to vote for through the Menti app or program or whatever it was. He was asking us to vote on what we thought were the best names for certain LEGO connections and parts. My first awareness of Tom Alphen, who is largely notable as the author of the LEGO architecture book, was as the label guy. Because on his website, he has a full set of labels that you can download, print out onto stickers, and attach to the front of your little Acro Mills storage drawers. These labels show you what part is contained in what drawer. So, correct terminology is of specific interest to him. And the more Tom Alphen presentations I attend, 
the more I realize he is probably the AFOL community's number one champion of said terminology. What do you call this part? Do you call it what LEGO officially calls it? Do you call it what BrickLink officially calls it? Do you call it something that is neither one of those, but very popularly used by the AFOL community? These are some of the questions he was asking, and that we were answering as we were asked. It was a fun presentation that I enjoyed thoroughly. The next presentation was called Enhancing Your Lego Hobby with 3D Printing, and was presented by Cohen Vanderhoven. Man, I hope I pronounced that right. If not, I apologize. This presentation, as you'd assume, was largely about integrating 3D printing technology with the LEGO hobby at large. There was some discussion about how LEGO itself uses 3D printing for parts prototyping before they commit to the expensive injection molding process. There was a quick rundown of the three 3D printed LEGO parts that LEGO has released in extremely limited quantities, these being a duck, a pogo stick, and a third thing that I can't remember. Boy, do you ever get your money's worth with this free podcast. He also discussed the notion of 3D printing your own LEGO parts, which, at a glance, seems like it might be the way to go. He used the example of a brick available on the LEGO website's pick-a-brick section that sells for 21 cents, and then demonstrated that the same brick can be 3D printed for the cost of 5.3 cents in materials, which, again, at a glance, makes it seem like 3D printing LEGO parts would be more cost-effective. But there are hidden costs, like the cost of electricity. There's also the time cost. These bricks take a while to print, and if you add taking a while to print to the cost of electricity, that goes up too. And then, even once the parts are done printing, they're not build-ready. They need to be cleaned up, excess strands of plastic removed, so on and so forth. Meaning that, by and large... Your standard Lego bricks are not what 3D printing is there for. So what is 3D printing there for? He gave us three categories, one of which was the creation of Lego-compatible bricks that Lego simply doesn't make, like a 1x7 brick, or a 3x19 brick, or a 3x19x12 brick, or bricks that I cannot simply describe using three dimensions. He showed a variety of weird-looking bricks on screen, And my immediate thought upon seeing some of these, which turned directions and climbed upwards and all sorts of funky things, was that printing specifically shaped bricks would be an incredible way to cheat horribly when building a Lego haiku. But I then immediately dismissed that because if that's what you're going to do, where's the challenge? The second category of 3D printed Lego stuff was oddball accessories that LEGO either doesn't produce or no longer produces. Case in point being the strange triangular LEGO ruler that I occasionally see on BrickLink for like $75. It shows you how many studs long something is, how many bricks high something is, how many studs or bricks something is along a diagonal, and also has insets where you can measure the length of various Technic axles. It's a very useful-looking bit of plastic. I've always wanted one. The third category was miscellaneous minifigure accessories. New hair pieces, 
new headgear, tools and weapons specific to intellectual properties that LEGO does not have. The variety of options there are limitless. Following the 3D printing presentation was an introduction to GBC. The presenter was Kevin Mitchum, and for those of you wondering, GBC stands for Great Ball Contraption. If you've been to a LEGO con, or seen YouTube footage of a LEGO con, you've probably seen long lines of machines whose purpose is to move small LEGO spheres from one machine to the other. These are called Great Ball Contraptions and are very popular within the AFOL community. One gets the impression that most GBC builders are pretty much exclusively GBC builders. Some of them do build other mocks, which get placed in other themes. But it sounds to me like if you're contributing a Great Ball Contraption to the collection of Great Ball Contraptions on display, you pretty much have to remain there for the duration of the public hours to ensure that if your Great Ball Contraption stops working, you are there to repair it. The Great Ball Contraption section is something that I have always found fun to look at for a little while, but not anything I'm interested in building myself. After that came the dinner break, and after the dinner break came the keynote ceremony. The keynote ceremony had two main components. The actual keynote address, given this year by LEGO celebrity Robin Sather, and once again, the distribution of more prizes. It again followed the pattern. One prize draw for a virtual attendee, ten prize draws for in-person attendees. Once again, I kept waiting for my name. Once again, I did not hear my name. I really enjoyed Robin Sather's keynote address this year. It followed his own personal Lego history, from him receiving his first Lego sets on Christmas Day, through his late teenage young adult years where he was one of these people who, built with Lego, didn't advertise that fact, through him meeting other people that were in the same semi-closeted hobby, and into working with some of these people to build collaborative mocks, to set up events, and eventually to begin interacting with the Lego company and helping to bring about both the Lego Certified Professional Program and the Lego Ambassador Network. Robin Sather was himself the first ever Lego Certified Professional. These are the people who build things that the Lego company has neither the time nor inclination to build, but that someone has to. These people generally make their living doing commissions for wealthy individuals, companies, corporations, and the like. Robin Sather is perhaps best known as the host of the New Zealand version of Lego Masters. Following the keynote, the virtual attendees got to watch a walkthrough of the exhibition hall. They went through the exhibition hall theme by theme, stopping and focusing in closer on mocks when asked. As always, I was amazed by the quality of the work submitted by the attending AFOLs. But by the time the walkthrough happened, I was starting to get tired. Which brings us to the absolute best part about attending the convention virtually. I have respiratory issues, which require me to sleep sitting upright in a chair. If I had been attending the convention in person, this is about the time I would have returned to the hotel and attempted to sleep in a hotel chair. But instead, experiencing the convention from my own apartment... I got to sleep in my own chair. It was glorious. The next day, 
there was an AFL spotlight at 7 in the morning. My understanding is that the Zoom call for this presentation went into the homes of some of the virtual attendees to feature some of their Lego rooms, some of their mocks, and things of that nature. I say it is my understanding because I was not about to get up at 7 in the morning to witness this myself. The first convention event of the day that I attended was Saturday at 1, just after the lunch break. This presentation was called Nero Falls. The presenter was Stephen Stelter, and it was largely a discussion about AFOLs who fall into the Nero atypical category. Stelter himself is on the autistic spectrum, and this was discovered when his son was diagnosed, and Stelter realized that a lot of the behaviors his son exhibited that were being explained as a result of his son being on the autism spectrum were behaviors that Stelter himself had been exhibiting his whole life. We heard his story, and afterwards, we heard stories from people in the audience and from people online who are also classified as neuroatypical. There was some talk during the presentation about Lego being therapeutic in some cases for neuroatypicals, but the conversation never actually took a full turn in that direction. Regardless, it was a very interesting presentation. Following that was a presentation called AFOLs in the LGBTQIA2S plus community. Our presenter was my friend Grant Fajo, and this presentation seemed like an evolution of the gay foals meetings I've seen at past conventions, and a strange sort of primer on that community. Everyone in the room and online were asked to introduce themselves, stating their name, their pronouns, their orientation, and their favorite Lego theme. There was talk about the gay foals organization, which encompasses the entire LGBTQIA2S plus community, and is simply called Gay Foles because it rhymes with A-Foles. There was a point during this presentation where somebody who was unfamiliar with the complete acronym requested a translation. So it was explained that LGBTQIA2S+, stood for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, asexual, and Two-Spirit Plus. I have to admit, I personally have had trouble remembering that, and I'm the guy who, in middle school, made the decision that he was going to memorize Pi as far out as he could, although I only got as far as 3.14159265358, I think, before I abandoned that. There was a point not too long ago where, unable to remember the full acronym, I created the phrase Rainbow Plus, and the looks I got from people made me swear to never use that phrase again. Following that panel, there was a presentation dealing with Lego Mindstorms, which I skipped. It might have been useful information, but Mindstorms is not something I can afford. And so the presentation was something... I couldn't afford to watch for fear I would want it. Then came the dinner break, followed by the awards ceremony. This was Saturday, and the public hours had come and gone. 
This is where we received the first news of how the public hours had gone. And the way they had gone is that their tickets had completely sold out. An estimated 6,253 members of the public entered the exhibition hall and walked around looking at the mocks. We were also informed that the convention had completely sold out of the BrickCon 2023 t-shirts. Trophies were awarded, the first one being the trophy for best trophy, and then from there it went theme by theme, with some of the best trophies I've ever seen at a LEGO convention going towards some of the best mocks in the exhibition hall. And, of course, as this was another of the large gatherings, prizes were distributed. Once again, I sat there, waiting for them to call my name. Once again, I sat there, disappointed. I then spent another night sleeping in my own chair, got up at 9 a.m. the next morning, so I'd be ready to attend presentations. 10 o'clock saw two different presentations going on, both of which I wanted to attend. One was the BrickCon Q&A. The other was Introduction to Using Mills, presented by Neil Snowball. I made the decision to skip the Q&A because, assuming that I find a way to attend Brick's Cascade next year, rumor has it that the Space Western theme is moving to a full Mills system. What is Mills, you ask? Well, some of you ask. MILS stands for Modular Integrated Landscaping System. According to some people, it's a way to spend a lot of money to create base plates that are simply thicker. For those of us who are not quite that cynical, it is a system whereby you convert normal base plates into a much thicker unit using a section of brick and a section of plate with integrated Technic bricks along the sides so that they can easily connect to other mills plates. This past year at Bricks Cascade, the Jurassic Park theme had gone completely mills, and the participants in that massive collaborative raved about them. I had some questions about mills, which I didn't even have to ask because other people beat me to asking those questions, including my curiosity about whether you could build mills plates or possibly modified mills plates where the brick layer is higher than the height of a single brick. I have a mock in mind, something that isn't going to happen anytime soon, but something that could benefit by deeper ruts and holes in a roadway than you can achieve with the standard mills system. And there is apparently such a system being used. It is not classified as mills, it has its own designation, which, once again, I can't remember, but it was very good information for me to learn. Following the presentation on Mills Plates came the event I was excited about and dreading in equal measure. The presentation was called Creating the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast. The presenter was me. This would be the first time I had done anything Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast-esque live without the ability to fix things in editing, and cut entire sections out. I had put a lot of time and energy into this presentation, which was slightly longer than a normal podcast episode. It wasn't anything fancy. I didn't have charts, graphs, or slides. It was just me looking into the webcam, talking into the microphone, which felt very familiar to me, 
telling the story of how and why I decided to start the podcast, explaining the steps I took to educate myself in the field of podcasting, up through the recording and editing of my first three episodes. One of my big hopes for this presentation was the possibility that I would be able to gauge audience reaction to the things I was saying. However, as with all presentations for BritCon, the virtual audience was all muted, and I did not have access to audio from the in-person attendees. I was told that the image transmitted from my webcam was going up on the big screen, so those poor, poor people had to see me larger than life, and I still have no idea if anyone found any of my jokes funny. On the plus side, the one point during the presentation where I almost died, I didn't actually die. I had a glass of water next to the Chromebook, which I used to solve the problem of dry mouth as I continued talking, and some of that water decided it was going to take the scenic route and go down the wrong pipe. So I had to sit there and choke and sputter and try very hard not to fall over. I believe that was the only major glitch in the presentation. If any of you out there watched the presentation and there's something I missed, kindly let me know. Once my presentation came to an end and I breathed that huge sigh of relief, there was a presentation called Building Collaborative Displays with Blue Brick. The presenter there was Thomas Garrison, and he introduced us to a piece of computer software called Blue Brick. Blue Brick was originally developed for Lego train layouts, but has since become a very useful tool for people organizing collaborative builds. The program allows you to designate sections, potentially Mills Plates sections, assign zones to particular builders and or specific mocks, and it works with layers like Photoshop or GIMP so that your very bottom layer is the size and shape of the tables you are displaying on. And from there, it builds up through plates and landscape elements, buildings, vehicles, what have you. It sounds like a very interesting piece of software, and it sounds like something I will have to keep in mind when I inevitably break down and take charge of a large-scale collaborative build of my own. I know that day is coming. For the next presentation, I had to choose between the Sorting Roundtable, hosted by Ali Perry and Kimberly Giffen, or the Galador Building Zone, presented by Will Hafner. For those of you unfamiliar with Galador, it is considered by most AFOLs to be either the red-headed stepchild of Lego themes, or it's black sheep, possibly a red-headed black sheep. Who can say? Will Hafner showed up, talked about Galador for probably 10 minutes, which allowed me to leave the presentation knowing much more about Galador than I had going into it. And then he dumped a tub full of Galador parts into the middle of the room and had people start building. As a virtual attendee, I couldn't very well reach through the monitor and grab some Galador parts. That was the point at which I left the Galador presentation and moved over to the sorting roundtable, already in progress. The sorting roundtable did not seem much different than other sorting presentations I've attended at past LEGO conventions. These things aren't necessarily helped by the fact that AFOLs cannot agree on how to sort. There is no single correct way to sort, but everybody has their own opinion. There were helpful tips given as to potential sorting styles and ideas for specific containers to sort into. Following that, my plan was to attend the Landscaping in Lego presentation given by Sean Edmison, and that's the point at which I started having computer issues. I ended up having to close completely out of Zoom and figured I would just stay out of Zoom until it was time for the closing ceremony. Fortunately, 
I had no problems getting back into Zoom for the closing ceremony, where we got stats about this year's BritCon. There were 751 registered mocks on display in the exhibition hall. That is registered mocks. There was not an actual count as to how many unregistered mocks showed up at the last moment. Convention membership this year was 541 people, 489 of which were there in person, 52 of which were attending virtually. The winners of the People's Choice and Best of Show awards were announced. People's Choice, which was voted on by the public, went to Good Grief by Eric Matson. Grief here was spelled G-R-E-E-F, as the mocking question was an absolutely gorgeous representation of underwater reef structure. Best of Show, which was voted on by the convention attendees, went to The Silver Pavilion by Kimberly Giffen. Public attendance on Sunday, once again, sold completely out. So an estimated 12,500 members of the public, give or take, strolled through the exhibition hall this weekend, taking in all the mocks and all the other Lego goodness. The charity organization Child's Play were accepting donations in exchange for tickets to what people kept insisting wasn't a raffle, which gave ticket holders the opportunity to win one of five prizes, which included last year's convention model, an out-of-production Star Wars set, a non-fiction book about Lego that had been kickstarted last year, possibly the year before, and probably a couple of other things. The money raised for Child's Play between donations for tickets, straight donations not for tickets, and a few people who matched donation totals came to just under $10,000, which, we were told, puts us right about in the same range as the donation totals they get at the PAX conventions, which is impressive. They announced details for next year's BritCon. BritCon 2024 will be held September 5th through 8th, The theme of the convention will be Foundations, inspired in part by the fact that the organization that produces BritCon is currently going through the process and paperwork of becoming a foundation. There will be a new theme next year, I assume for one year only, where the objects on display will be pre-1980 Lego sets, showing the foundation that started what we know today as Lego. And, of course, once again, the distribution of prizes. Where I once again sat there, hoping my name would be called, and when they informed us that the next set of prize draws would be the last set of prize draws for the convention, and they drew a name from the virtual attendees to win a prize, I finally heard my name. And just what was it I won? I won the Star Wars Mandalorian Fang Fighter versus TIE Interceptor, which has an MSRP of $99.95. So, I was quite happy. And then, instead of having to disassemble mocks and pack everything up and return to the hotel room for one more night of sleep in a crappy hotel room chair, followed by a four-hour drive home the next morning... I just closed out of Zoom, and BritCon, for me, was over. Planning to attend BritCon next year remains to be seen whether this will be in person or once again virtual. That's it for this episode. 
Be sure to catch the next episode, where I'll talk about the trend of building your own personal Lego city. If you listened to the podcast's pre-launch trailer, you might remember hearing mention of a giveaway. I'll be giving away one Battle Gorillas Lego Podcast swag pack to a lucky listener each episode for the first 10 episodes. To enter, simply leave a review for that episode on the hosting service you got it from, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, etc. Then take a screenshot of that review, post it on Instagram, and tag me, Battle Gorilla, in that post. The randomly selected winners will be announced in episode 11, after which all swag packs will be mailed out. And once you've won a swag pack, you are ineligible to win another one in this giveaway. The podcast's intro and outro themes, Podcasting is Awesome, inspired by Tegan and Sarah's Everything is Awesome, and Ode to Gibberish, were created by Michael Reinch. I think I just closed Pandora's box and I want to know if you can punch a sucker. How else would you know that I've done everything except any of it? You can have your bald eagle afraid of fire and you can eat it too and there could be so much joy and I want my libido well. How else? I mean, wish me luck on the prayers for junk food and 